0: This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over eighty thousand vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over fifteen years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com/slash-auctions. And check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 201 of the Wax Museum Podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Podcast, and my Twitter is at PC. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. I hope your 2023 is already off to a good start, and if it's not, there's still time hanging in there. I want to start today by thanking everyone that listened to episode 200 and either commented on it or congratulated me or shared the link. I can't say this enough. I wouldn't be able to do this without you guys, so thank you, and I'm hoping to start off the next batch of episodes with a bang today. I had a great conversation with Carter, aka MC Basketball PC, a little bit earlier this week, so you'll want to make sure to stay tuned for that. That will be today's main segment. Before I play that one for you, though, I've got a few things I want to touch on real quick. Uh, first, I want to plug a video that I uploaded to my YouTube channel last Saturday—a big one. I'm talking just length of the video, right? This one was about 45 minutes. And some of you might remember Josh, A.K.A. Mitten State Collector, from episode 197. Well, as it turns out, he had some Pistons cards I wanted. I know, weird, right? I had some Pistons cards he wanted, and we hopped on Zoom to work out a trade. Now. I've said it on here before. I don't do a lot of trading, but this was something that I really enjoyed. Anyway, Josh gave me permission to upload the entire thing and I thought it might be good for people to be able to observe um, the productive struggle for lack of a better phrase. So if that sounds like something that might interest you, head on over to my YouTube channel and bookmark that for later. after you're done listening to this episode, of course. Uh, now sometime in the next couple of weeks, I want to devote a good amount of airtime to talking about some of the cards I got in return from that trade, and then more mail in general, including a major Pacers card that's going to crack my top 50. And whenever I get around to discussing that mail, I'll probably give some thoughts on trading as well. So be on the watch for that sometime in the next couple of weeks, probably. And then one more thing for today's opening segment. Last Friday, I read the sad news that Don West passed away after a battle with lymphoma And if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, um, you know, he was a giant in the sports card industry. You'd probably recognize him if you saw him. Uh, That is if, if you're around my age. But Don West was a fixture on the Shop at Home network throughout the majority of the 90s, selling sports cards, Beanie Babies, Pokemon cards, whatever collectibles were hot in the moment. And on some occasions, Ken Golden even joined him via phone. Now, I know... People have since accused him of hyping things, most notably junk wax. Listen, he was a salesman. There's no denying that, but it was must-see TV nonetheless. And I've even read about collectors taping the show on their VCR so they could go back and watch it later. It was just really entertaining stuff. So much so that Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan parodied him on Saturday Night Live several times. And growing up, I watched so many hours of this programming, and it made for a lot of good memories. I know. During the home run chase in 1998, I begged my mom again and again to order me one of the Mark McGuire packages they were selling. And while I think she was close to picking up the phone several times, it was all to no avail. And come 2002, Don took on a new role as a color commentator for a new wrestling show called TNA. I was done watching wrestling by that point, but kind of jumped back into it around 2007 because I had a friend in college that talked about it uh, nonstop so we found out that tna tapings were held at universal studios which um you know even better they were free to the general public even the pay-per-view so living about an hour away we ended up going to a few shows and before one of these shows i decided i wanted to make a sign because i had been a huge wrestling fan during the attitude era and that's kind of where my mindset was right and that's what people in that era did they made signs But instead of making one for a wrestler, I thought it would be fun to make one for Don. I mean, after all, I've always been a sports card guy, and he was one of the names that I knew. So I borrowed one of his catchphrases from his shop at home days and wrote in all caps, Don West, Jim Mint 10 on this sign. There weren't a lot of people at these shows. It's one where they would, you know, they would put all the fans on one side and just film from one side. So it looked like there were a lot of people there, but there really weren't. And uh, so I was pretty close to the railing when the commentators were introduced before the show. And to my delight, Don saw the sign and got a good laugh out of it. It even got a little TV time because they did an angle with a fake fan in the crowd nearby and she had a sign. So she had her sign up, which was part of the angle. And then I had my sign up, which was celebrating Don West. I put a screen cap of that up on my social media Friday if you haven't seen that yet. And I might have mentioned this in the early days of the show, but I tried pretty hard to get Don on the show back in 2019. I even wrote up a a couple pages of questions just in case. And for whatever reason, I never heard back from him. For all I know, he didn't even see the emails or tweets. And Nevertheless, I had that one brief interaction with him back around 2007. I'm glad it gave him a quick laugh. And really, that was nothing close to the countless hours of entertainment he provided me in the late 90s. So, once again, very sad news this week. Don West was 59 and will most certainly be missed. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics, if you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Bob Nettelke, former Indiana Pacer. Played on a few championship teams, had a lot of fun. You know, I listening to the Wax Museum Podcast, one of the best there is. Okay, so joining me today is someone that you've heard on the show before, although it's been a while. Carter joined me back in March to talk about his 2022 goals. And I had to go back and double-check because I thought we had recorded one since then. I guess I'm just thinking back to when we hung out in Dallas. Carter, how's it going, man? I'm
1: doing well, Kyle. Happy New Year.
0: Thank you. Yeah, same to you. The last time you were on, we talked about, among other things, your history as a Grizzlies fan. And since that time, they beat the Timberwolves in the first round of the playoffs and then lost to Golden State in six games. But the energy of that series seems to have carried over a little bit into this current season. And you and I have messaged a little bit about that off air. And of course, we saw some of that bubble up again on Christmas Day. We're recording this on Monday morning. So right now, the Grizzlies are 23 and 13. What are Mm -hmm. your thoughts on this confident Grizzlies team so far?
1: Most of my thoughts are great. Uh, confident is a little bit of a generous term. Sometimes it, it borders on arrogance. I think um, they're learning how to kind of sparse those two out. Um, youthful but, arrogance, you know, I would say. <laughs> yeah, no, it is youthful because there's a couple of real seasoned vets on the team who are mostly the quiet, mild-mannered types. you got Danny Green, Stephen Adams. And then after that, it's mostly young guys uh, who are all you know, on their rookie deals or, or shortly uh, past that. They have carried over that energy from last year that was really fun and really cool. And I think they see themselves as kind of reinventing what it means for a team to have swag. You know, they started the trend of everybody ganging up in the postgame interviews and gassing each other up while the guy's trying to answer questions and just, and it's come with a little bit of talking that, you know, has put a little bit of a target on their back. So they're experiencing that too and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to balance all of that. But in the meantime, you know, they're super, super talented. So it's fun to watch.
0: Yeah. As a, an outside observer, I really do enjoy the Grizzlies, even though there are times where I look at them and think, you know, oh that, that energy. Oh, that's cute. You know, they don't know any better, but um, right. j- just that edge though, and and not knowing any better, there's something compelling about that. And then obviously John Morant uh, has been a lot of fun to watch and has stayed healthy, which was one of the big fears about him. I don't want to jinx anything, but um, I like the trajectory that they're on right now. So hopefully, That continues. And needless to say, you are a big team collector. And as a fellow team collector, I know one thing I really look forward to is um, when it comes to the hobby calendar, at least is getting cards of drafted or uh, traded players in the new uniform. But it seems like these are coming out later and later every year. So for example, you mentioned Danny green there, not too long ago, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's played a single minute yet, right? He's still recovering uh, from an injury. And yeah. um, at some point, he's going to have to have some new cards, even if they just end up using his media day photos again and again, like they've done in the past with guys like uh, Andre Robertson and, and then more notably Kevin Durant. But I've been watching some of your Instagram stories and it looks like you've taken matters into your own hands. So I want to hear yeah. more about that. This little these these custom cards that you're doing. Tell me what's going on there
1: yeah so since before the pandemic i've gotten into uh, the ip autograph thing Uh, it's fun to go to games and and try to catch players and you know it can even spark good conversations things like that you know so it became kind of a new facet of my collecting you know in late 2019 early 2020 and then the pandemic shut down and it shut down everything so um that kind of took a back seat but i'm back at it now and i'm in an, an environment that you know, you're familiar with as well, where there just aren't any uh, cards to get signed of of these players, um, at least in their current uniforms. Those won't be out for a while. I still want to enjoy that facet of the hobby. And so I uh, I took a little inspiration from your video about um, the custom cards you're making, kind of put some of my own twists on it so that it would be easier for me and it just kind of got rolling. And so I've gotten several of my custom cards signed at games, Danny Green included. Um, okay. Great signer, by the way. That dude is a great signer. Um, I saw him in Washington, D.C. at a road game. And uh, he came out afterwards, signed a bunch of autographs. And even, you know, as he was wrapping up, he looked up at the crowd. He was like, anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody? I mean, he was like trying to make sure he took care of everybody. So real neat dude. But yeah, those are just some of the experiences you get when you, um, you know, kind of go for that method of collecting.
0: Now I know you. You know there's a lot of people, and they're trying to sign for a bunch of people at once, so they're not always paying close attention to the items. But has anyone noticed that hey, this isn't a standard card, and and you know where'd you get this? Or has anyone commented on that before?
1: Yeah, uh, I've had a couple of guys comment on it, and they are not the typical NBA guys. Those guys all they've already started signing cards, and so they don't know what's out there. They're not keeping up with it. But I kind of took the idea of making my own cards with guys in their own uniforms, things like that, kind of a, another step. Um, because a lot of where I get my card signed is actually at the G League games, Memphis Hustle. They're down in South Haven about half an hour from the FedEx Forum. And so I'll, I'll go down there and I actually find a lot of NBA guys down there as well. But one of the things I decided to start doing this year was kind of make a set for um, the Hustle roster and uh, you know put those guys in their uniforms. A lot of those guys you know, we'll never have another an actual card made of them. And so when I have gotten a couple of those signed, they've been like, what is this? Where did you get uh, a Memphis Hustle card? And, you know, I'll tell, tell them kind of my process. And I've had a, a couple guys get a kick out of that,
0: including a summer league legend, Kenny Lofton. Right. Isn't he there?
1: Yes, he's been a, a tough cookie so far. He's an interesting kid. Um, I'm still trying to figure him out, but I haven't I haven't gotten him signed yet. But uh, but yeah, planning to for sure.
0: Well, someday. Well, you have got quite a few other people, and uh, I would say you're you're doing much better in the in person category than I am. As I talked about uh, a week or two ago, my last autographing outing of 2022 didn't go all that well. Didn't have quite the access that I thought I would, but I'm looking forward to more in this coming year as well. And that transitions us into our next topic because in-person autographs were part of your experiential goals from 2022. And when I say experiential, I want to remind everyone that you had things divided up into categories. We're going to yeah. talk about that here in a little bit, but let's take some time to talk about hobby goals since it is that time of the year. And correct me if I'm wrong, but 2022 was the first year that you actually set down and really wrote these out right
1: for card collecting. Yeah, that it was the first year that I really put them on paper in such a detailed way. Uh, I kind of had them up in my head, but in other facets of life, I'm a big goal setter. That's how I get things done and keep track of um, my progress in um, work and life and et cetera. So I just decided last year it's time to put that into card collecting and see if it produces a better result.
0: All right, so we're going to take a look back at some of those goals today, and I don't expect you to leave here with a, a perfect list for 2023. But you know, let's see if we can't do some general brainstorming about, about some of the things you'd like to check off by the end of the year here. And um, since you've done this before, we have the benefit of pulling up those categories from last year and tweaking things as needed. So last year you broke things down into the following categories: you had budget and capital, you had relational, you had experiential. Um, and then you had your collection, you had that broken into pyramid, singles, and sets. Um, so I guess my first question would be, do you want to add or subtract any categories this year?
1: Uh, no, I, I pretty much am sticking to the same four categories. Um, just going to do budget, relational, experiential, and collection. Maybe my understanding of how those interact or, or how they're fleshed out has changed a little bit, but same general ones.
0: Okay. So let's start with budget and capital. And and I should add here that just because you met that goal in 2022 doesn't mean you can't set the same goal in 2023. Because like, for instance, I'm looking, maintain a monthly budget spreadsheet to track your spending. That'd probably be a good idea for this current year as well. So if we're going through that, is there anything you've got sell inventory to build cash reserve, sustain budget without using primary income? Is there anything that you would change with that?
1: Yes, actually, there's a lot. Um, so to your point about continuing some of these goals in the new year, uh, there's really two ways that I break down goals. Um, I kind of think through things as either achievement goals, something that you accomplish and then you move on or you build upon it. And then there's habit goals, things that you maintain, you upkeep. And both are can be equally challenging. Sometimes a habit goal can be more challenging to keep track of and you know to build into your daily life. But to that end, some of my goals from last year I'm really proud of and I think were really well constructed. Some of them need uh, some work and some tweaking. And so the budget category is really a place where I realized uh, how generic and maybe not helpful my goals were. Okay. Uh, in theory, they're great, but they needed a lot more refining. And so a great example is you know keeping a monthly. budget to track spending that's a great goal but there's no way for me to look at that statement and measure my progress okay other than did i do it or not right Mm -hmm. but it's like what do i need to do in order to you know maintain that and so one of the things i learned is that thinking through it as a monthly budget was not helpful for me because i was updating it on a monthly basis which then turned into a a uh, six week basis, a two month basis, and then before you know it, I was kind of losing track of it because I wasn't thinking about it. But once a month, so I'm revising that to uh, maintaining my budget on a weekly basis, inputting uh, transactions and keeping track of you know what I have available to spend and, and what I've been spending on so far.
0: And I figure that kind of spills over and influences some of the other goals in that category because if you're sure. keeping track on a weekly basis, you might realize I really need to do a story sale like immediately, right? Because you see where those funds are at. Uh, and I've, I've seen you doing some of that and I don't, I don't know if that's a a direct result of the budgeting, but, uh, it seems like you are going through a, a little bit of a purge right now with some of your cards. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things I'm trying to make sure I do is, uh, sell from the bottom a lot when it comes to my inventory and use that to add to the middle and the top when I talk about that I just talk about like value of you know the cards that I have in my inventory at any time um, and I've seen a lot of progress on that the the floor of where my inventory is at has risen a lot I still like to buy cards out of the dollar box and flip them. Um, I don't think I'll ever get away from that but um, just selling those more regularly has been really helpful you know especially going into this year one of my goals for um, raising capital are changing considerably. Um, because of my experiential goals, right? Thinking about how those relate, you know, I'm making plans to go to the national for the first year, time uh, this year in 2023. And so um, one of my goals is to, you know, raise a lot for that. And so I'll be not only thinking about where I'm at uh, with what I have available, but also, you know, where I'm going and what I'm trying to do. Um, so let's continue since you you brought up your
0: experiential, let's just jump to that category you mentioned last year you wanted to attend ten shows, which seems like a pretty lofty goal. But uh, you know, I guess when I think about it, that's less than one a month. So that's probably you probably passed that pretty easily, right?
1: Yeah, I uh, I set ten because I wanted to go to one a month, but give myself some wiggle room. You know, sometimes months are really busy or there's not not anything good to go to, and so I set ten as the goal, and I made eleven. So I was pretty happy with that going into next year. I'm going to keep it at 10 because I like the rhythm of going to one every month on average. I'm not going to change that and try to go to more, you know, the goals aren't always about increasing your, your output. Sometimes it's about maintaining the output that you want.
0: Right. You also had on there visit three new show locations. Oh, well we mentioned Dallas. I know that was one of them. Did you uh, end up at another two
1: locations? So Dallas was, uh, it's a little generous to, to call Dallas a new location. I had been before, but I just kind of stopped by for one day. Okay. So I, I don't know if I would count as a new location. And if I don't, then um, I didn't go to any. Okay. I, I went to zero new locations. I, uh, I just didn't, any of the plans I made to go to new shows that I hadn't been before kind of fell through and they weren't worth bending over backwards for. And so um, I actually just kind of dropped that one there with experiential. That was kind of one of the categories where I realized the most, you know, how thin I could stretch myself if I wasn't paying attention, and also just learning more about what's really important to me to experience. So, that was one of the things where I was like, you know, I, I would have liked to go to at least one new place, but uh, it's not going to happen every year. You know, this year will. I'm going to go to Chicago to the National. So, I know I'll get at least one uh, out of that this year.
0: Yeah. I know uh, one of my goals last year was to set up at a new show. And I think I did that in the first week of January. And then I don't think I set up at another one after that. So it's like, sure. all right, maybe I need to, you know, I, I, I wanted to complete the assignment quick here, but maybe I need to think that more long-term, why do I want to set up at new shows? And then maybe what shows in the summer could I look at? So I've got to change my approach to that a little bit as well. Um, we've touched on some of the other experiential stuff already. So let's jump to the relational component, which there is some overlap there, and that's fine. You wanted yeah. to connect with Memphis area collectors. So um, seeing as you stayed in the area, I'm guessing you did.
1: Yeah, but I wanted to do it in really specific ways um, because I, th- I think a lot of folks would a- agree that when you, when you kind of hit your local hobby scene, there's some things that are present in terms of ways you can connect and then some things that are not present. And so I really wanted to build on the way that I interact with the local community of collectors. And so um, I was really proud of the ways that that kind of grew. Um, So, you know, shows had been the way that I've been doing that up until now. We have a local show that's every other month and there's been a good hobby community that's come along there. And I've gotten to know a lot of people. But beyond that, we had a new LCS open up Uh, Nash Cards, brought a Memphis uh, location out here. And so that's been a great way to connect. Additionally, over 2022, I met a lot of people there that I wouldn't have otherwise they've hosted some trade nights. So we've had trade nights there. I've been able to connect that way. And then also started a, an Instagram chat with some Grizzlies collectors, which has included a lot of Memphis folks. And I've Uh, Made some additional connections there. And so I am happy with, even though that wasn't really a a good goal, if you think about it, Mm -hmm. you know, connect more with Memphis collectors. It's not specific. There's no way for me to really know if I accomplished that or not. But I think I can pretty confidently say that I I did what I wanted to do in that area.
0: Yeah, you can still feel it out. And maybe this coming year, you'll say, you know, I want to, maybe you'll put a certain number on it, or maybe you'll, you know, say, I want to connect with them at the card shop or at a trade night. um, And you can kind of flesh that out a little bit more. Let's move into your pyramid here. I'll let you touch on some of the names in there. You had Mike Conley at the top. Why don't you take me through it from there just real quick?
1: Sure. So um, you know, last year's pyramid was um was Mike Conley at the at the Apex, you know, as a he's gonna be my my chief player collection always. And then in the tier below that I had uh Jaron Jackson, who's probably my favorite grizzly currently on the roster. So I've, I've really Enjoyed collecting his cards along with a couple of WNBA players, Arike Gamboale, Asia Wilson. And then tier three was Dak Prescott from my alma mater. Went to college with him. Love his game. So even though he's football, you know, I, I decided to cross over into that. And he's in tier three along with Bill Russell and then Sharif Abdurrahim. And then below that, tier four um, was very generic categories. And so because I like to focus on the specific players, I put them higher, but then kind of left some room for to collect other, you know, players in, in the categories I enjoy, um, that being WNBA cards. So I just left it generic there, Memphis Grizzlies, um, Hall of Famer autos, and then, um, any Mississippi state collegiate stuff that I see. So, um, those kind of round out my collection a little bit. And that was, that was last year's. Uh, Structure.
0: So, as I'm looking at last year's, before we move into this year's, I'm thinking there's a couple names on there that have have certainly been in the news. I know, you know, Asia Wilson had an amazing season. I don't know that Mm -hmm. if that's been reflected in her pricing. I don't follow the the WNBA pricing, or at least I haven't followed it as many years to know that. Obviously, Bill Russell passed away. So have you found that when those players either have noteworthy performances or they're in the news for some reason, does that have any impact on your pyramid
1: in the moment? I wouldn't necessarily say so. So with um, it was kind of like lucky happenstance with Asia Wilson, even though I had her and Arike on the same tier coming into the year. I spent those early months before the season really stocking up on Asia Wilson because I was like, you know what? She is going to dominate this year. She's going to do amazing. And of course she did MVP. Defensive player of the year, won a title, uh, won the commissioner's cup. Like she just, she swept the board. Mm-hmm. And so I was anticipating a huge bump in her prices after that. But like most of the market, WNBA cards are coming down a considerable amount. And so everything has gone down. I would say her prices have stayed level at best in some ways. But really, the challenge that I've seen with her. Uh, as a result of her success is it's harder to pry cards away from people. Mm. So there's just not as much available. People are kind of sitting on those and they don't want to give them up because she's she's gonna be incredible. With Bill, you know, he passed away this year and and I was expecting, you know, that'd be really hard to get stuff. And there was a significant bump for a while there. I don't know if you noticed Bill Russell Mm -hmm. cards, they flew off the eBay shelves proverbially uh, for a while there. But since then pretty much gone back to normal if not down a little bit i think
0: yeah i think they flooded i mean i cuz i actually was picking up autographs before he died and and i think with the i think probably all of them have gone down in value since he passed away which really oh, yeah. surprised me because uh you know i know he signed a lot there at the end but there is a, a you know, really restricted amount that he signed over the course of his career, all things considered. So that surprised me quite a bit.
1: Yeah. I think we're just in a different environment this year than we were before. It kind of seemed in 2020 and early 2021, like everybody was getting their turn, every category of the hobby, every player, every type of player, you know, you kind of saw waves of like, Oh, here's four or five months where prospects are going crazy four or five months where hall of famers are going crazy. And it was like, Everything was getting pumped in its turn. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of developed this attitude of, okay, at some point, this category or this player is going to get their turn. And so we kind of thought like, oh, when a player passes away, we thought about the Kobe effect that was at the height of it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to be the case moving forward as much. Yeah, I
0: I know people have, have, they keep mentioning this Kobe documentary that's coming out and, and yeah, there might be a little rise, but I think we've, I think this is it. Like, I think we've seen this and and people keep saying, well, the next time there's a big boom, it's like, all right, we'll strap in, you know, you're going to be holding cards for 30 years. And, and even then there's probably not going to be the perfect storm of, of prospects and deaths and pandemics that cause all that to happen again. So if you want to play that game, uh, you're in it for the long run. And and I, I just don't think the people that say that, uh, realize that. And I know I've said that on this show before, and, and I firmly believe that. Okay, guys, allow me to interrupt for a moment here to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by ComC.com, your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at Check Out My Cards. Now, looking at your pyramid, though, is there anyone now in this coming year that's either worked their way in or worked their way out of that pyramid?
1: Uh, no one's worked their way out, but I did restructure it a good bit. Last year was four tiers, and this year I, I've added a fifth tier, not to overcomplicate things, but just to help me better separate my priorities. Because uh, like I said, with tier two, I had Arike Agumbawale and Asia Wilson in the same tier, uh, but I ended up buying about a million times more of, of Asia this year than I did of Arike. So it doesn't really make sense for me to use this to prioritize, but then not actually use it. You know, So mm-hmm. um, I wanted to get a little more specific and actually think through this pyramid in terms of what I actually wanted to accomplish in the year to come, knowing that I can always change it in 2024. Uh, so I added a fifth tier. I think it helps me think through it better. And there was some significant movement and even an addition Tier one is still Mike Conley by himself. I always want to make sure I'm prioritizing that uh, then tier two, Jaren and Asia stayed. Enrique dropped down to tier three. Okay. So I, I think I found a better place for her, although I think I might buy her a little more heavy coming into this year just because her prices and her availability are much better than Asia. But it still won't get my collection of her up to where Asia Wilson is right now in my collection. But then along with her in, in Tier 3, I've got Sharif Abdurrahim still there. And then I moved uh, just general Grizzlies cards up a considerable mm-hmm. amount. They're in Tier 3 now. I am not necessarily using that last tier for all my generic stuff. That's something I want to move up a little bit. But when I say generic, obviously, I mean, you know, the category might be generic. But the way that I go about collecting that category, I'm going to remain as specific as I can in terms of how I do that. So Tier 4 is uh, I added tier McCowan another WNBA player. She also went to my alma mater along with Dak Prescott um, who, you know, they both attended Mississippi state and the fever just gave her away. The the fever gave her away. Yeah. She was kind of struggling with the fever. I think she was wasting away a little bit. No offense. Um, No, none taken. They moved her. They moved her for cheap so they could draft a million rookies. And she has really come on with, with the wings, which is cool because that's where Enrique plays. So now I can watch them at the same time, but yeah, I'm going to try and start collecting a little bit more of her in this year, just because she's so good and I have a special connection to her, but then Dak Prescott stayed there and then, or I guess he moved down a tier really mm-hmm. is, is what he did along with him, Bill Russell. Um, I've I moved Bill down just because I've, we could do a whole other episode on how to collect Bill Russell cards, but I'm, I know you understand some of the challenges with him having, three cards from his active playing days from only two sets. And so that just makes that really difficult. And then after that, it's like, you know, what Legends cards do I collect of his and things like that? I've got some really specific goals around it, but um, I've decided to kind of bump him down because, you know, like you said, if you're waiting on a boom of cards like that, you're going to be waiting 30 years. The positive side of that is... That leaves a lot of room for patience if you're trying to collect guys mm-hmm. like that. I have 30 years to be patient before his cards become unreasonable again. But yeah, I moved him down a little bit. And then along with that, I added IP autographs to okay. tier four. Um So I'm going to make that kind of a fixture of my collection. And that's something that really coming out of COVID is, is affording me. You know, um, I and Real said quick, in, IP means in person. If people didn't yes. catch that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Um, so really, I'm thinking IP and TTM you know, through the mail. I'm kind of lumping those together. But yeah, just getting some of my own autographs done is I, I think is going to be good for me. I, I put in my goals last year to get at least five. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was coming out of a pandemic. I was like, I don't know right. if I am have any accessibility. Five would be awesome. This last year I got 20 plus. You know? OK, perfect. Uh, so it, it went really well. I think I think I'm at the point where I can kind of focus on that a little bit more. Um, so that's why I added that in there. Tier five. I left Mississippi State cards in general, WNBA, and then Hall of Famer autos. And so that kind of rounds it out.
0: All right. So you still got Mike Conley at the top. And uh, I told Showley I would ask this question because he submitted it to me. He wants to know how and when do you choose to add a non-Grizzlies Conley to the PC?
1: Hmm. You know, I, I kind of thought through that when he got traded, it was like, what am I going to do? Do I want jazz cards in my collection? And I think what it's come down to for me is how does that card fit my interests? Like, is it, is it a type of card that I like? I don't want to just get the rarest Mike Conley jazz card or the most available one. Um, but it's like, do I like that card? I guess a good example is, is one that I got in the mail last week was a select courtside tie-dye parallel, the one out of 25. I really like the tie-dye parallels. It's a very polarizing opinion to have for some folks. They hate them, but I like them. I think they're cool. And so I picked it up. It was Jersey numbered 11 out of 25. And so I was like, you know what, that's a special card to have that I like to look at. So I'm going to pick that up. You know, the next card out of 25, I may pass on, you know, cause it doesn't kind of have those same qualities.
0: Okay. Very good. So you got to be very selective. Um, and, and in doing so that helps you with some of these other hobby goals, because otherwise if you're not sure. selective, even if you budget really well, the money's going to run out at some point point. and being a team collector, you yeah. got a lot of guys to chase that pyramid has got a lot of people on it. So, um, that's great though. I love it now, similar to how you you're piecing your goals together. I'm still kind of mulling over what I'd like to accomplish this year. So I have a rough outline and I posted it on my Twitter last night. Last year, I broke my goals into three main sections. I had hobby experiences, buying and selling, and then content creation. Um, And I think I'm going to do something similar this year, except I'm going to change the name of the second category from buying and selling to uh, shaping and storing my collection. So if you don't mind, I want to run some of these by you because I think it helps to talk them through with someone else. Okay, sure. so uh, feel free to jump in whenever you'd like, whenever you you have a thought on something and uh, we'll go from there. So the first one is the experiences category. So I want to go to a bigger show that I haven't been to before, which I'm I'm thinking about. There's a, a show in Palm Beach here real soon that uh, I'm just on the fence. I don't know if I want to drive three hours and and there'll be a ton of Pokemon stuff there that could be kind of disappointing. So do want to go to a big show though? I want to find another rare 90s basketball card in an eBay lot, and I haven't done as much lot hunting lately, so I I just want to find one big one next year. I want to make more trades. Now, here's the kicker, and I know you put trades on your goals as well. I want to make more trades, but I want them to be purposeful. I don't want to just make trades because I set the goal to make trades. Um, So I, I think this is where maybe your input would help me out here how can I refine this goal a little bit instead of just saying make more trades
1: yeah so I think one thing that's important to uh, include when you're goal setting is steps um, okay. you know steps are like little sub goals under each goal and so um, with something like trades you know it's it's hard to say I had that in my that was one of my goals in 2022 and that's not one that I would consider a good goal um, not that it isn't good to want to make more trades but just to say, I want to make more trades well how do I measure success at the end of the year you know um, I don't even know in 2022 if I made more trades because I didn't set any steps for me to keep track of that or to accomplish it so uh, perhaps you know maybe saying I want to make however many trades this year that I consider purposeful also just defining what purposeful means does that mean mm-hmm. that you're making a trade that adds to your top 50. Um, does it mean you're making a trade that fits your pyramid, something like that, that increases your relationship with another collector? You'd have to decide that for yourself. But that those are the things I'm thinking through when I think about my own goal for making more trades in the future is, um, you know, what are the steps I'm going to take and how am I going to define it?
0: Yeah. And, and maybe I need to make some smaller trades, too, because after this big trade I made with Josh, Mitten State Collector, I need to get some reps in like I, it's just something you just have to experience to get better. And you you can't, you know, you can't watch from the sidelines and get much better at some point you have to jump in. And I want to get my reps in while also uh, still being fair with other people, because I know there have been shows in the past where i tried to trade with someone and maybe they got offended and it was something I did. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't realize, you know, I had a dealer where I was trying to trade a bunch of little cards into his bigger card and he wanted more value and he had to explain that whole process to me. So it's just, you know, I have to get my reps in. I think that will be part of that goal. So that's good. My last experience goal would would be setting up at at least two shows this year. And now that could be the same show twice. It could be two different shows. Uh, I really have scaled back the amount of times that I set up just because I, I'm not bringing in as much inventory now. And I hate taking stale inventory to a show so that's going to be one of my other goals there. Uh, now, cool. I changed the second category to shaping and storing the collection. You mentioned my top 50 earlier. I want to add two cards that are worthy of being in my top 50. I think that's reasonable.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's an example of a really good goal, in my opinion, is you know finding a part of your collection that's meaningful to you and making concrete steps to improve that is really cool.
0: And, and part of that, I, I didn't want to overshoot that goal, but... Um, I feel like those cards are, I can't just go on eBay and find a top 50 card for me every day. Uh, It's something that I really have to work towards and figure out and and shuffle things around. I do have one. I think I bought it uh, on like December 30th. It's not here yet. When it gets here, that's going to be in my top fifty. I don't know if I'm going to treat that as a uh, success for this new year or not, but uh, either take way, take the I do, win. Take the win, right? Take I do want to yes. finish that assignment on January third or whenever that card comes in here. I want to collect at least. So here's here's one. I, I like where you're you're going with this. You're telling me I need to be more specific, right? So I want to collect at least forty SGC graded 1957 tops basketball cards, and I currently have 12. So that would be another 28 that I'm adding this year. Um, Now, from what you said earlier, I need to kind of create goals that go with that. So you know, am I going to get them from PWCC auctions? Am I going to get them from eBay where they don't always show up? I have a, a, a lot of them raw that I've been wanting to submit to SGC. In fact, I think I said that in my goal last year and I never did it. So I'm thinking SGC is on site at one of these big shows that I want to go to. I take those raw cards to SGC on site at the big show and hopefully merge some of those uh, goals together. Maybe I can make that happen at the same time. Another thing here, and I think this is something that um, you've been probably better at than I have. I want to make better use of my binders and my Z folios. You are a Z folio guy, right?
1: No nah, I just use pretty much regular binders. I need to step into something a little more put together probably for some of these sets though
0: okay so you're you're a binder guy though so yeah um I I had um so much stuff in boxes, top loaders and and one touches and it's just like this stuff is is just accumulating and it's getting bulky and heavy and my options are to either purge things, which I probably should do or just find ways to store more stuff, which is what I'm doing right now. so uh, I think I'm going to keep stuff and try and get more stuff in binders uh, and in the process that will free up some supplies. So I won't have to buy top loaders for the next year, probably because I am getting them out of my own collection. And then finally, well, I guess that doesn't go with this last goal, then become more aggressive again about thinning stuff out when it makes sense to move it. I just said I wasn't going to do that. Now I'm saying I have the goal to do that. So uh, Carter, how how can I wrestle with that? You've done a good job with that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's become about really segmenting things, um, almost like in a pyramid when it comes to not not necessarily when it comes to just PC stuff. Right. But when it comes to things that I have available, things I would consider more inventory than than personal collection, kind of tearing those things out by by their value or their movability and then, you know, deciding where I want to go in terms of, do I want to get rid of my lower end stuff or submit and stuff or some high end stuff. And that depends on what kind of capital I feel like I need at the time, but I try to keep a regular amount of selling on that low end stuff so that I can A, get it in the hands of people who are going to enjoy it because there are a lot of people like me who enjoy low end stuff. I'm still digging through dollar boxes, But there's some dollar things that I want to move. And there's some people who want those things. And so um, just regularly making those available, I think, is important.
0: Okay, so the final topic or the final category that I've got for my goals this year deals with content creation. And uh, one thing, Mrs. Wax Museum got me a GoPro for Christmas. And I am not um, uh, super proficient when it comes to film. So I want to try and use that, though, to make some good collector content. I, but it's it's a balancing act because I want to find a non-cringy way to use this GoPro. So um, I've got some ideas. I'm thinking, you know, I'd like every time I sit down at a dollar box, I'd like to maybe take out the GoPro and just show the dollar box. Uh, I don't know, Carter, if you have any suggestions or any GoPro related content you'd like to see. Uh, I'm all ears for that. If you've got any ideas.
1: What if I just get you a flat bill Pacers cap and you make 23 the year to just lean into the cringe?
0: Just lean into it. Yeah. You know, I, I might as well. Right. It, it, it's just time. It's time for that. I, I would like to make more how-to content for YouTube, I think, yeah. because I think that's content that's a little more timeless. A lot of what I'm doing right now is Mail Days, and there's nothing wrong with Mail Days, but uh, I just don't know if Mail Days have a lot of utility for people in the long run. So that's something I'd like to add. And then as far as the audio podcast, um, I would like to profile every 1957 tops player on air. So at some point in the year, I know there's 52 episodes, so I'm not going to do a full feature episode on every player, but um, I would like to have someone on, you know, if if they're, let's say, if I've got a Lakers fan on and they want to talk about five Lakers from the set, we take some time to do that. I don't know if I'll get through all 80. I don't want to force it, but uh, I do want to give those guys some more attention in that set some more attention. Do you think 80, 80 players in 52 episodes? Is that, or I guess 51, cause we're not covering any today. Is that, uh, is that reasonable Carter or do I need to rethink that?
1: Um, I think it depends on what kind of depth you want to go for. You're probably looking at two players per episode on average, or if you, you know, stack them up in installments, you maybe could get through 10 to 15 in an episode. I don't really know what you're, what you're going for, but that's, um, that's going to be one of those to really parse out and schedule on the front end. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm thinking I might do kind of like where I do a mail segment in the middle. I might do like, um, or you know, where I used to do collector classifieds. Hey, here are here are our um, 1957 top features of the week, and it's just two or three guys. Um, or maybe once again trying to to combine some of my goals here as I get them in the mail, in their SGC slabs, then I can do it that way. So uh, a yeah. lot of things to consider here, but um, definitely have some ideas spinning in my mind. Okay, enough talk about goals for now. I figure that's a conversation that's gonna continue to take place over the course of the year. I wanna close today with a familiar activity that I thought we already did. So there there must be some episode out there I thought we filmed that you and I did not film at all or record at all. And um, I looked back my notes, it appears we haven't done this. So we've gotta do this. I wanna give you a chance to talk about some of the centerpieces of your PC. Last night, I asked you to make a list of your three favorite cards i feel like that's a a good note to go out on here so easier said than done i know but i'm ready to hear what you've got go ahead and start with your number three and then work your way to number one
1: all right um this was painful when you asked me to do this i was like i immediately knew it was going to be hard and it was um but i i tried to kind of think through okay what if somebody told me i had to get rid of all but three cards and i had to keep those you know um which would i do and so that's this is what i came up with i already feel like i made a million mistakes but that said uh number three i'll just kind of show them to you and in fact for number three i'm going to take this one out of the mag case because even though folks listening at home can't see um this is one of those that i feel like is better naked uh um, all right so <laughs>
0: and we'll we'll get i'm sure you've posted these already but maybe we'll bump those posts and we'll make sure they get up so people can see them
1: yeah I'll, I'll post them on my Instagram kind of the week after the the posting of this episode. So, um, but this is number three, it's a booklet and it's opulence uh, 2018 and it's numbered out of uh, six out of nine of Jaron Jackson Jr. And uh, it's numbered out of nine because that's the letters in his last name. Um, so it is a letter patch RPA Oh wow! and it's just a nice clean design, super rare card and uh, uh, love the, love the patch there. So, that was my uh, that was my number three. Looks like really it's on card, card too, a right? Oh, yeah, it's on card. And it's just a huge, spacious design that looks clean and just really, really just a fun one to look at. So um, that was my number three. And then number two, also an opulence card. I did not do that on purpose, but just some of the best cards I've gotten have been opulence. Maybe it's an underrated set. Uh, but this one's a Bill Russell on card auto from opulence 2018 as well. Um, And this one is uh, numbered out of 10 on the back. And so really cool from the golden vintage set. And so that's right now my only Bill Russell autograph. So I, I cherish that one pretty highly.
0: I don't remember seeing that one before. Did you have that when you made your pyramid
1: with him on there? I believe I did. Uh, I don't exactly remember when I picked that one up, but I remember I actually sold an autograph that I had beforehand of his and used some of the proceeds from that to buy another one that was comparable. I remember conferring with with Sholi about which uh, Bill Russell autograph I could get. And he sent me a bunch of really great suggestions and I ignored them all and and did what I wanted to do anyway. So uh, that's what I came up with.
0: (laughs) Perfect. I, I, I love that. All right. Number one, what you got?
1: Um, Anyone who's followed me for any amount of time knows what number one is, but uh, it's the card that I show off the most often. uh, And it's the Mike Conley SPX Logo Man 1 of 1 RPA uh, from 2007 SPX set. It's a really basic design, but super fun card. And I just love owning it. I think I've messaged with you a couple of times. I, I discovered Uh, my Mike Conley arch nemesis, he's based out of Asia and, uh, I picked up that card. And I mean, this one's obviously the pinnacle of Mike Conley cards. It's, it's the best one out there for sure. I think everyone would agree with that, but, um, I've been really struggling to find a lot of Mike Conley's rare stuff the last several years. I'm like, man, where is all of it? Like, I know he has better stuff than what I'm seeing and I always knew it was somewhere, but, uh, my worst fears came true. Um, when I when I saw um, a new account pop up on Instagram, start posting immediately. Um, but really great guy He's at the Conley collection and is super cool. Dude has awesome cards. Uh, I love looking at it all the time, but I love this card because uh, I'll always know that my Mike Conley collection is uh, special because I've got that one in there.
0: I like the foil on that one too. And and I Mm -hmm. thought this would be your number one. I don't like to assume. I know that's dangerous, but I think this should be your number one. I I think that was a uh probably the easiest selection. I know you said your your top three was difficult, but that one was probably pretty easy. So it was really two and three that made it uh such a choice. All right, Carter. Well, uh it's been a blast as usual. I love talking about your grizzlies and about your goals. Before I let you go, you know the drill here. I want to give you a chance to plug your social media handles and then anything you're working on or anything you might be looking for. These next few moments here are yours.
1: Yeah, nothing super crazy. You know, my Instagram is at MCBasketballPC. You can follow me there. I'll, you know, post my goals in the coming weeks. And um, so you can obviously help me out with any of those uh, if you're listening. And um, I'm always looking for rare Mike Conley stuff. So hit me up if you, if you have that, and then I'll be posting some of the sets that I'm working on from various uh, categories, my collection as well. And I'll need some help with that. So would welcome anybody who just happens to be sitting on a stack of prism parallels. I need for a rainbow or something.
0: All right. Well, we'll certainly make sure to try and get the word out for that. Carter. Thanks again, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kyle.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. Thanks to Carter for taking the time to come back on the show As I mentioned earlier, my goals from last year revolved mainly around hobby experiences, buying and selling, and content creation. And while I didn't set super specific goals, I feel like I met most, if not all of them to some extent. And with the case of my main target, the Bill Russell rookie, some luck came into play there, but I got it. And the big thing I learned from setting goals was stay involved and stuff will happen. And I understand that this is a hobby And people are busy with life and work and family. All that stuff's important and it shouldn't be neglected. But the more you can immerse yourself in this hobby, the more you're going to get out of it. And it might sound cliche, but I speak from experience. It's true. So that might be something to keep in mind as I leave you here today. What level of involvement do you want to have with the hobby this year? And then if you want to set goals, set some realistic goals around that. And then, as always, I'd love to hear about them. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under the handle at Wax Museum Podcast or Twitter under at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.